Hello, my name is Ian Wielden, a senior lecturer at Newcastle University and host of the Cultural Peeps podcast. Today's guest is Claire Will, the Director of Marketing and Commercial at Shakespeare North Playhouse in Prescott. Today's episode was recorded on-site at Shakespeare North Playhouse in April 2023. The Playhouse itself has been open to the public since July 2022, and it aims to bring people together and participate through a programme of new performances, theatre, music, comedy, workshop, events and activities. At the centre of the building is a traditional 470-seat timber-framed Shakespearean theatre, which is called the Cockpit, and it's an incredible space that's based on a 17th century design. It's constructed using 60 tonnes of English oak and there are no nails or obvious modern techniques used in its construction. Instead, everything's held together using dowels and traditional carpentry methods. It's a stunning space and I'd highly recommend a visit to a performance so you can soak up the atmosphere. In our conversation, we talk about Claire's work in marketing at Sheffield Theatres, at Museum Sheffield, Contact Theatre and the Royal Exchange in Manchester. As always, I've put links to things we discussed into the podcast notes so you can easily look things up if you want a bit more detail. I hope you enjoy this episode. I loved visiting Prescott to see the Shakespeare North Playhouse and would like to thank Claire for the time she spent with me back in April showing me around and sharing her story. And I really hope her passion and enthusiasm for the project comes across in the interview. So thank you for joining me today. We're at Shakespeare North Playhouse. We've just had a look around the cockpit and, and the facilities here, which is an incredible building and fantastic to see. See, could you just introduce yourself, Claire, and say a little bit about what it is that you do here at Shakespeare North Playhouse? Absolutely. So my name is Claire Will, and I am the Director of Marketing and Commercial here at Shakespeare North Playhouse. We have been open not very long since last July, so we are in our infancy as an organisation and a building. Um, So my role currently covers quite a wide remit. So um, that includes marketing and communications and the audiences team, which obviously includes digital communications and everything else you'd expect around traditional marketing. So print, design, branding. I also look after fundraising at the moment Um, and our uh, stakeholder relationship management, as well as that, the commercial side of the operations. So that is everything from visitor experience to the retail function that we have and food and beverage offer here at Shakespeare North Playhouse. So that's a really wide remit. You've got a lot of stuff to do. It's very wide. It's the widest remit I have ever had, and it is incredibly challenging in a really positive way. I've learned an awful lot in the last nine months. And, and do you have a team that you work with that you're directly responsible for managing? Yes, so there's, there are, there's a team of people under each of the areas that I've just outlined. Um, apart from fundraising, so we're in the middle of recruiting fundraising uh, team at the moment, which is challenging. And I think in this particular role, because of the wide remit, it's been quite eye-opening as to how easy or how challenging it is to recruit into specific areas in, in arts and culture at the moment. One of the areas that has been a challenge for us has been the food and beverage side of things, and that is absolutely not exclusive to Shakespeare North Playhouse. It's a challenge to recruit into those areas across the board and has been since since the pandemic, basically. But the other area is fundraising. Um, Now, again, it's it's not exclusive to Shakespeare North Playhouse. It's a challenge to recruit fundraisers across the board at the moment. Um, And I think it's partly because fundraisers have started to drift away from the sector, leave the sector for potentially higher salaries in other other sectors, Um, which is a shame because actually in terms of the case for support here and in other arts and cultural organisations, it's really meaty, it's really strong and there's a lovely, lovely story to tell. And in some senses, it's actually relatively straightforward to get people on board, to get people to back back your case for support. Um, but it has been really challenging to recruit. So we're lucky in that we are just about to point ahead of fundraising. 
However, it is I am the the, the sole fundraiser You're it. <laughs> at Shakespeare North Playhouse <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. What does an average, maybe not day, it's, I think there's probably not no such thing as an average day for you, but what is an average cycle? Is it around productions happening, but then you've got more strategic aims that have to be fulfilled? Absolutely. Um, we are slowly getting into a cycle and a rhythm. Um, so when we opened the building last July, we were also launching a brand new organisation, which comes with its own set of challenges and also you know, there's, a lot, there's lots of real positives in doing that. So in terms of getting into a cycle, that's a rhythm that we are, we are starting to develop now. I would say, in my experience of working in theatre, the rhythm of, of theatre buildings and theatre organisations flows around the artistic programme, inevitably. So when you have a three and a half or a four and a half week run in, in the main theatre, um, the rhythm in the, in the, of the organisation and the departments tends to shift according to that. That is something that we're starting to see. However, because we are still quite new, we're not quite there yet. Um, day to day has been, I would say for the first six months, incredibly operational for all staff, including senior, senior staff. Um, we have the challenges faced with opening a new building, which is sort of starting to subside now as we've gone through lots of snagging um, and, and moved through those. But it was very operational, very hands-on, which was brilliant. There's nothing like opening a brand new building. You know, the team spirit, the camaraderie is just amazing. Um, but obviously my remit includes um, a lot of strategic elements now. So I was responsible for developing the brand here at Shakespeare North Playhouse, which was absolutely joyful to do. Yeah. What an opportunity um, to develop a brand from scratch. Um, and I look after a lot of the stakeholder relationships, external relationships partnerships that we're developing um so I'm, I'm i'm less operational than i was um at the start of, of, of the year just to pick up on a few of those things that you talked about there one of them was branding so how does that work for you for example do you work with external partners and how did you develop that yeah so um i began working at shakespeare north playhouse last january so january 2022 and the first big project I had to do was to develop the, the brand, the new brand, essentially. There was sort of an interim brand that existed um, and it was a blank canvas. It was absolute, we, we could do anything we liked, which was an amazing opportunity. As a marketing professional, it was just really juicy. So we, um, we went out to tender, we appointed an external agency to work with us on that. Um, obviously, we had to think about what our brand values were, what our brand behaviours were, and how we were going to function as an organisation. What was the external personality that we wanted to convey to people as part of this process? And we knew we wanted to come across as, as different. We wanted to do something bold, brave. We wanted to take creative risks. We wanted to be really inclusive. That was really important to us. So all of those elements formed the thinking behind the brand that you can see here today. Um, and we, we, we didn't want to look like a traditional theatre. We could have easily done that, but actually those initial concepts were quite quickly disregarded. Um, the, the, the visual identity, so, so the logo that you see of Shakespeare North Playhouse is probably what people most associate with a brand um, is yellow and black. Um, and those colours we chose because we just felt they were really, really striking. They're not necessarily colours that you would traditionally associate with a theatre. Um, in actual fact, the yellow and the black uh, colours are um, the colours of the local football team here in Prescott, oh, Prescott okay. Cables, um, which was a happy accident, actually, right. um, but meant that people already had an association with those colours um, in the town, so that was really great. Um, and the style and the, and the font that we used is, again, not, not traditional theatre. It's not what you would expect in terms of a, a traditional sort of cultural offer. In fact, the way we use it on um, marketing materials and posters, it's almost more similar to a cinema, actually, or right. a, a music venue. Um, and we did, that, we did that very deliberately to try and be as accessible as possible to the widest possible audience. Um, it was an absolute joy to work on developing the brand, and I'm really proud of it. 
So uh, obviously the work, once you, you develop the visual identity and how you're going to convey the brand externally, the work doesn't stop there. It's a constant process of evaluating how are you communicating externally in terms of the parameters around the brand? What is the tone of voice you're using? Um, you know, in, in terms of social media, it's a really important part of our social media strategy. What is Shakespeare North Playhouse as a personality? You know, thinking about it as if we were a human being in some senses. Yeah. Um, it's it's really been a brilliant thing to develop. Is that quite hard to do before you've got the building open? So you're trying to visualise everything, you're projecting everything forward about what the tone of the building might feel like and what the programme is going to feel like. It was quite it was quite challenging, but I think we were all as a senior management team very clear what we wanted to be in terms of an organization. So in some senses it was less about the building and more about the organization that yeah. that you know lives and breathes in the building. Um we were we were very clear about who we wanted to be. Um and I think we've actually managed to achieve that. So so the threads of um brand values, um brand personality and behaviors run across the organization um, and you really get a, a sense of that as you come into the building in terms of the visitor experience the way that our visitor experience staff deal with customers is very welcoming we often get comments saying that you walk through the doors there's no sort of psychological barrier it's a very warm space and even when you enter the cockpit theater which is the main theater space we have here it almost, you see audiences behaving in really quite an unusual way for theatre in there. It, 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 there's no, yeah, psychological barriers. You don't, people don't feel like they need to behave in a certain way. There's lots of weeping, there's lots of cheering, there's lots of standing ovations. It's, um, it's exactly, It does feel like a very homely place. Yeah, it's, it's got a very homely it, feel to yeah. it. And, and, you know, that was deliberate. We, we, we in some ways, we look back now and we think, gosh, it's brilliant that we managed to achieve How did we actually do that? But it, <laughs> there was logic behind it, and, and it seems to be following through in, in all areas of the business. I think when you open a building, it's really hard, isn't it? You can over-design if you're not careful and kind of intend for spaces to be used in particular ways, and then they end up not quite functioning that way. And then you have to allow a period of time for things to bed in before you maybe assign spaces to functions. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've got a particular, particularly unique building because um, the main building is very contemporary and the main theatre space is a replica of a 16th century cockpit theatre. Yeah. So it's entirely hand built. There are no uh, nails, screws, glue. It's all been built with wooden joists. 60 tonnes of English oak. It is a replica of a 16th century theatre. So in a way, we had that particular set of challenges on our hands. What we're trying to achieve with the artistic programme and our community engagement here is very much about social inclusion and actually social impact. How can we invite, open our doors as widely as possible and invite the broadest range of people into this building so they feel like it's theirs? This needs to be a community hub for the people of Prescott and the people yeah. of Nosley. And so far, we are, we feel like we're achieving that, which is great. You mentioned in your job, you've also got a commercial arm to, to the work that needs to be done. So what does that entail? What kind of stuff do you do there? It's an interesting model at Shakespeare North Playhouse because um, we are a charity. Uh, we are producing theatre, we are a charity, and we very much have um, a case for support and a fundraising message to give. But we also have very high targets uh, on the commercial side. So our food and beverage offer and our retail offer supports the business model. Um, so, so the commercial side of things is predominantly that. Um, we're in a lucky position that we are centred in the, in the middle of Prescott. So we have quite a lot of footfall walking by. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have to encourage people in to use the cafe. And again, going back to the community hub feel, it's really important that people of the area come and sit and have a coffee, they'll come and have the lunch, not necessarily buying a ticket to see a show, but, but using the space in, in yeah. other ways. Um, the commercial side of things is really important to underpin the business going forward. Um, and that's been quite different to uh, other business models that I've, of other theatres and other arts organisations that I've worked in previously. So that was one of my questions. How does 
this role here differ from other, other variations of that role? It's a broader remit than I've ever had. So marketing and communications obviously sit together and have done for many, many years throughout cultural organisations. But the commercial side of things coming being brought together with, with that and with fundraising is relatively unusual, actually. Um, it was a really great opportunity for me to broaden my remit beyond marketing and communications. I was delighted when I saw the job description. I, I knew Shakespeare North Playhouse was being built and I followed its progress. I really wanted to work here. And when I saw that it was not just marketing and communications, but marketing and commercial, I absolutely jumped at the chance to, to broaden my experience. But it is quite an unusual um, unusual role, I would say. Like an unusual combination. It's an things. unusual combination. I think more and more marketing, communications and fundraising functions um, are coming together as teams. Right. And that makes sense because essentially in many ways, fundraising is communications. Yeah. It's all about what we're trying to convey as an organisation and again, case for support. So, so that they sit nicely together and that does make sense. Um, but yeah, having the commercial side of things, it really does make sense as well. It, it, it absolutely does, but it, it is a very broad, a broad remit, yeah. Was this the kind of thing that you thought that you'd be doing when you were thinking about careers, when you were maybe at school or shortly after that? Absolutely not. Really not at all. Um, I come from, a, I would say, mid, mid-sized village, or it certainly was 30 years ago when I was at school, um, we didn't have any real sense of the opportunities that were available in terms of uh, career development in the arts. It was quite a sleepy town, not particularly diverse. Um, it, it wasn't really something that I'd considered, actually. And, you know, when, when you go through school and you have careers advice, I think I was told uh, on the back of answering a questionnaire that I should be a solicitor. Um, which didn't really spark me at all. I wasn't particularly <laughs> interested in that. Um, so I just followed my heart, really, if I'm honest. And when I went to university, so I did, I did art, art and design at, at A-level. Right. Always loved art, enjoyed the, 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 the making of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I w- always really enjoyed that. Um, when I went to university, I did um, history and politics degree. So it was, it was arts based in a way. Humanities. Um, humanities. Um, and uh, I went to university in Sheffield, and um, the reason I chose to go to Sheffield University is um, a bit to do with music. So um, my absolute passion is always has been music, and it was something from sort of early teens that I really followed. And from being in quite a small village, no alternative music, nobody else really was in, was interested in it. It was really right. just me and a couple of other friends. Um, and it was around the time that. Um, the Sheffield music scene was sort of blowing up a bit with pulp. Pulp, I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and, you know, I'd read a lot about the lead mill and, and the yeah. types of gigs they have on there. And if I'm honest, I I've thought... some great bands there. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm honest, I thought, I'll go to Sheffield University and I might meet some other like-minded people because right. there weren't that many around where I'd grown up. That is actually why I went to Sheffield University. Um, that's did, that's did really me. interesting. Yeah, though. really interesting. Um, and I, I suppose subconsciously with the idea that maybe there'd be a career in the music industry for me there, right. that might be something that I ended up doing, but I was quite open-minded about it. So did my uh, undergraduate degree um, and then really want, still wasn't completely sure what to do. So looked at the options for postgraduate courses um, found a brand new postgraduate course at Sheffield Hallam University, which was cultural policy and management. Right. And it was the, I think it was the first year that they, they ran it. So applied for that and that really opened the doors for me and opened my mind to the, the types of roles that were available in, in culture. And it wasn't until that point that I had a bit of a clear sense of the types of things that I might be able to go for. So, so did you go straight on from your undergraduate to that one? Were they kind of dovetailed I together did. or was there no I gap did. there? There was no gaps. So, so was yeah. it a bit of a punt? Did it feel like a bit of a punt? At it the was time? a bit of a punt, but it was very much following my heart. What right. what what is my passion? It's the arts. It's you know, and I'd, I'd had the opportunity being in a city to experience more of the galleries and the museums and the theatre offer that was there, which was really great, really strong in Sheffield. So um, it yeah, it was all about following what I was really interested in. I, I hated the idea of going into a career for the rest of your life that you just didn't love. You didn't want to get up for every morning. Yeah. You know, it's such a huge part of who you are as 
a person. It, in, it informs your personality, actually. Yeah, it does, yeah. um, and, and, you know, so I just felt really strongly that I needed to get into a career that was going to inspire me every day. And that was what, you know, the arts was, was what it was. So that, that postgraduate course was really, really useful for me. It was brilliant. Um, did, did that programme allow you the opportunity to connect with different organisations and get a feel for what different roles might look like? It did. It absolutely did. And the modules explored the different areas of work. It was, it was very practical about working in the arts. So yeah. business planning, arts management, the types of departments that were, were available and, you know, which you just don't really have a sense of unless you've ever... Well, it, become, it becomes much more specific, doesn't it? And, and the thought of, well, you don't know what you don't know. These kind of tiny little jobs that, or families of jobs that exist there, you, if you don't know anybody that's doing that, you never know that it no, exists at no. all. And the whole fundraising landscape as well, I think that's really important because you don't get a sense of that. And, yeah. and that postgraduate course really helped me understand and to navigate what it what that was and, and yeah. how that worked in, in England. When you were moving through the programme, were there things that you were engaging with and thinking less of that, more of this, or was it just the whole thing? I wouldn't say so. I think my mind was quite open during the postgraduate course as to what I might do beyond that. I think it was becoming clear that probably a career in the music industry wasn't, wasn't going to happen. Um, and if I'm honest, I was probably thinking pretty long term that actually it's not that sustainable. And in 30 years time, I may not want to, you know, a lot of late nights. Except, I mean, you do yeah, get yeah. late nights working in theatre, but it's slightly different. It's a different thing. So, um, a different pace. A different pace. I, yeah, exactly. So I was really lucky, actually, at the end of that year, I started looking for, the, for any jobs that were out there. I really, really wanted to stay in Sheffield because, I'd, I, I, you know, it became my new home. I, just, I didn't really want to leave it unless I had to. Um, and actually, towards uh, the start of the of the summer, at the end of that academic year, um, Sheffield Theatres were advertising for um, an entry level role in marketing. So it was marketing assistant role, um, so, which I went for and somehow got, <laughs> which was amazing and you know a huge opportunity for me. Um, so I was very, very lucky to get that. I'd actually done no volunteering up to that point, right, which okay. is pretty, quite, un it's pretty unusual. Yeah. I think it was really, that year was uh, 2000. So I think that was the tipping point where after that, you absolutely had to have done some volunteering yeah. to have something on your CV. I, I think if that had been even a year later, I just wouldn't have. I wouldn't have got it, so I was I was pretty lucky to get that. And that did that overlap then a little bit with the end of your program? It did, it did overlap. So um, I, I made the choice that it, I had to go for it. It was yeah. a great opportunity. Went for it, got the job, and it did. There was a bit of overlap, but it it all worked out. It was yeah. fine. So what kind of things were you doing in that role? So that was. I think I was in that first role for about a year and it was very, very hands-on. It was putting the posters up outside the Crucible and the Lyceum. It was taking actors to do interviews. It was supporting the administration of the marketing and communications department, but it was fa absolutely fantastic learning, really amazing learning. So it was, it was everything you'd expect from a marketing assistant, but it was, it was very, very hands-on. And was it a fixed-term contract or was it an open-ended thing or... We, you know what led you to move on to the next thing so there were within the team there were there was sort of a ladder that you could work up so marketing assistant and then I went on to become senior marketing assistant which okay. was a post that existed after that person had gone on to become the press officer so there was there was sort of a stairway that you could go up yeah. over which is exactly the route that I, that I did yeah. and what was brilliant about that was that in the in the marketing assistant and senior marketing assistant roles they were very broad it was a really good starting point to have an understanding of everything across marketing and comms. And then you could decide what you might want to specialise in beyond that. Yeah. It so happened that I did really enjoy the press and PR side. So I then went on to become the media officer there um, at Sheffield Theatres, um, which you know, is, is a little bit more nuanced, is a little bit yeah. more specialist. Um, and again, that was a brilliant experience. I think I was at Sheffield Theatres for five years. And how many theatres were you looking after there? So Sheffield Theatres is is a is three theatre spaces. So it's the Crucible, which everybody knows for snooker, snooker which is on at the moment. But it's a theatre <laughs> for the remainder of the year. Fascinating to work there when the snooker was happening. Amazing. There. It was um, it's also the license. So Crucible is a producing theatre, so they make their own work and they have um, all of the departments you'd expect back of house, like wardrobe and the technical teams. 
and then the Lyceum, which was a touring uh, space, so that would bring work in for mostly for a week at a time. Um, and then they have the studio, which is a smaller space for sort of um, more local artists and uh, more sort of regional touring work. Yeah. Imagine that that shift between the snooker and production is quite massive about what the need it was. For... It was huge and um, very eye opening because it was Embassy that it's not Embassy now who sponsor World Snooker, but it was at the time, and they are. They have a lot of money and they came in and completely changed the back of house areas with red carpets, flowers, painted the walls for the time that the snooker was on <laughs> and then took it period. all away <laughs> afterwards, yeah. And there's a lot of sneaker that ha- a lot of stuff happens in the winter gardens, doesn't it? There? It does now. Um, so yeah, it does now. And less so when I was there because the winter gardens had just opened, so right. it was kind of in its inception. But there's a, the activity seems to to spread out across sort of Tudor Square into the winter gardens and really yeah. across that sort of central area of the city. Yeah, yeah. I'm fascinated by that travelling circus that comes to town that is snooker. That's exactly what it was like. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting thing. So you you were at Sheffield Theatres for about five years. Yeah, I think it's about five years, four different roles. After I did press and PR, I then worked on groups development. So that was where I wanted to get a bit of experience, more specifically in audience development work. Right. And there was, there was a, they needed to increase their groups, their schools and their um, general groups visits. So, so I did that piece of work. I think it was maybe up to a year, it was just, just shy of a year. Um, which was, again, a slightly different thing that I'd done before. It was a bit, bit more specific, but really good experience as well. So what, what, what was the interest there? What, were you just trying to broaden your skill set? It was, it was twofold. I was trying to broaden my skill set, but also that, that audience development is, is a thread that's run through my career. It's, my, it's one of my passions. Um, and I just really believe that everyone should have access to culture. I think it's hugely important, and I, I, it's what I've always believed in. So I guess, I've, again, I followed my heart with that one and I really wanted to do that piece of work and, and learn a bit more about how to develop audiences more specifically. So what came next after that? So um, at that point, I'd only worked in theatre and I thought, OK, I need to try and expand my experience in cultural organisations. Sheffield is also home to what was Sheffield Galleries and Museums Trust, now Museum Sheffield. I think that's what they're called now. It is, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, a number of museums within that trust. Um, again, I was lucky that a role came up there as uh, working in press and PR again. So I just went for it, um, got it, which was fantastic. So then I spent another four years working in museums and galleries, uh, which was a change of pace is the main thing that I noticed with that. Um, in, in what way? A change of pace and a change of, a, a change of rhythm, generally. So theatres... As I said at the top of this this chat, focus, the rhythm of the organisation is, is focused around the shows. And for producing houses, they're generally three and a half, four and a half, sometimes five and a half for half week runs, where you sort of reach a crescendo before opening and, and then press night happens. And then, and then you've just got to keep up the momentum while the show's on. And then you're moving on to the next thing. Obviously, marketing and communications does work a bit further in advance than that because we need to you know, be selling the tickets. But that is that tends to be the rhythm of the organisation. Um, working in museums and galleries was... I wasn't really prepared for the change of pace. It was a great change of pace. Because at theatre, in theatre, it almost sometimes feel, feels like you're a hamster in a wheel. It's right. constant. It's very constant. Whereas exhibitions are, firstly, on for a lot longer. Yeah than three and a half week runs. Um, And you've got more time to delve into the detail of them from a marketing and comms perspective. Um, With theatre, you've got your key messages and it's just, you've you've just got to move really quickly. The pace is frantic and um, it's addictive actually. The pace of theatre is quite addictive if if you're that way inclined. Um, But it was really nice to have an opportunity to work in a different way and delve more into the stories of the artists and the stories of the artifacts and the pieces that you have and talk it in more depth in the communications campaign around those. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then, you know, if you like anything, if you've done that for a while, then you miss the pace, the pace of it. <laughs> it was nice to have four years yeah. 
with a bit more breathing space. Go down a gear. Go, go. I mean, go down a gear. It, don't get me wrong. It was hard work. Yeah. But just in a slightly but different it's a, less way. Less frenetic. It was like yeah, yeah, it was. It was yeah. Is it easy to move between theatre and museum work in the kind of field that you work in? Yes, definitely. Um, obviously, I'm back in theatre again now, so I've done that. You know, a yeah. couple of times. Skills are absolutely transferable. No right. doubt about it. Because it's one of the few areas that they probably are quite transferable in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, you know, marketing and communications, it's not been an issue for me ever. And actually, it's really great to have to have that experience, that change of pace and to, and, you know, to, to just, yeah, just to try things in a different way. Did, did you find that you were bringing things from your experience in theatre into the museum world there? Um, yes and no. I think the other thing that's different is that when you're working with, um, in theatre, there's a lot of living artists, more living artists. And I mean, there are obviously living artists in museums and galleries, but a lot of the time the artists are not alive anymore. Yeah. Um, so there's a whole sort of relationship management thing that you do when you work in a theatre that doesn't necessarily exist in quite the same way in museums and galleries. Um, so, uh, you know, with, with the challenges that come with that, but also the really real positives of connection with other people that come with that in terms of theatre. So. Um, I definitely took a lot of, most of my skills across to the museum sector, um, but absolutely loved working for, for the museum sector as well. It was a fabulous experience. How long were you at Museum Sheffield, or it wasn't Museum Sheffield then, was it? It was... It's Sheffield Galleries and Museums, Museums Trust. Yeah. I rebranded actually to Museum Sheffield while I was there. Right, okay. Um, for, I think it was four years, and within that time, one of the major projects that I worked on was the redevelopment of Western Park Museum. So that was previously the Mapping Art Gallery, um, closed, I think, around the time I joined, actually, and it was closed for a couple of years. It was a £20 million uh, redevelopment project and really gave me a taste for opening buildings. I say, is that where <laughs> this comes from, it your is, interest yeah. in this? Yeah. It, it is. It was... Um, hugely rewarding i absolutely loved working on that project um working with the communities around around the museum to, for them to impact the displays and the and the exhibitions that we had on which was fantastic um it was it was lovely to, to have that opportunity really good is it the blank canvas thing that appeals to you not having lots of baggage that comes um, with i don't know if it's that i think it's teamwork right i think that Working with a team of people to a, to a specific deadline, you know, which is really challenging, is such an amazing experience. And the, the reward that you get, opening the doors and the people of the area coming in and enjoying it is just like nothing else. Do, do you love a, lo a logistical challenge? Uh, yeah, I'm, is that yeah. part of your personality? Yes, I'm it getting is. that this is. Are you an organizer? I'm an absolutely an organizer. <laughs> I'm an, in Myers Briggs sense. I'm an ENTJ, so I am an organizer and a problem solver. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And were you realizing that? You know, did you know that as you were moving through, or were you just kind of doing these projects and then thinking, actually, this I'm kind of good at this, and this is what I'm really interested in. This excites me and motivates me. I think so. I think some of it was subconscious as well. Um, I don't think I was necessarily actively that aware of it all. Yeah. Um, I'm quite a passionate person anyway and positive, so I don't think I've ever had a job where I thought, oh, I don't really like that, or I didn't, didn't really enjoy that yeah. part of it. I tend to just, you know, love it all. Um, so some of it was subconscious, but I think with, with the role I'm in now, I definitely remember seeing that Shakespeare North Playhouse was on the cards, it was being built, it was, in, you know, it was happening. And I remember thinking, I would love to work on a building redevelopment project yeah. again. I, I like a culmination of, of everything. Yeah, I'd love done. to do it because that is one of the best experiences I've had in my career was opening Western Park Museum, and I want to try it again. So you worked at, at Museum Sheffield, and then so I think you said about four years. Yeah, it was about four years. So I was. Um, mostly uh, press and PR while I was there. And the last project that I worked on there was the um, Vivian Westwood retrospective, which was with the uh, V&A Sheffield. It was a huge key for Sheffield to have that. Um, and on press night, uh, Vivian Westwood herself, Dame Vivian was there, oh, well, which was amazing. Yeah. So um, yeah, got got to experience that, which was a brilliant last project to work on. Yeah. Um, at which point, because I'd worked in the theatres 
in Sheffield and then the museums and galleries. While there are lots of other smaller independent galleries, you know, site gallery, the workstation, and then there were lots of others at the time, there wasn't really, um, it wasn't obvious what my next move in Sheffield could be. Um, and being from the Northwest originally, I thought, okay, let's, let's consider Manchester now. Maybe I should move back to the Northwest for a bit. And there's a lot more opportunity in cultural organisations there for me. So I, once I'd made that decision, um, I saw a role come up at Contact Theatre. I remember somebody saying to me once, don't think about the next job you want, the next role you want. Think about the next organisation you want to work for. It's quite interesting. Yeah, interesting I've always gone by it. that. And right. I, I knew quite a lot about Contact. I'd read about them. I loved their ethos. I loved what they were trying to do in terms of engaging the communities in that local area, in Hume, in Moss Side, which you know, traditionally wasn't particularly served with culture. Um, so the head of marketing and communications role came up there at the right time for me and I, I went for it and, and got it and before I knew it I was actually moving out of Sheffield um, and into Manchester um, and again you know a very different experience than anything else I've had working at Contact and you know changed my thinking in so many ways they are, have young people at the heart of the organisation and actually, I was interviewed by a panel of young people to get mm -hmm. that job. So there was there was a traditional interview process with um, you know the executive director and the chief executive at the time, but there was a separate young people's panel that everybody had to do. Every role within contact has to be interviewed by the young people's panel, and it was far more nerve wracking than the, <laughs> than the traditional. Well, less standard. Protocols, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. That's yeah. really interesting. Far more nerve wracking. And after that young people's panel, I thought, I have to get this job. The young people I've just spoken to today have inspired me so much. I can't imagine not ever being able to speak to them again. I've got to get the job. I was so <laughs> determined. It was it was really amazing. Um, I was lucky. I did, I did get it. And those young people were... Um, uh, people who were taking part in the youth theatre there and some of them have gone on to have amazing careers some of them are on t you know BBC One now oh, wow. um, which is it's such an amazing place and when they say they have young people at the heart they really really do by this point are you thinking are you thinking about the next thing in terms of what's the next interesting experience I could have or what's the challenge or are you working towards more senior positions at this point thinking well how does my career look were, were you conscious of that yeah i was and definitely working towards more senior positions right fairly ambitious in what i want to do right okay but absolutely thinking about which organizations i find are inspiring where am i going to get the next unique experience really um i didn't want to just follow another another theatre i wanted to do something a little bit yeah. different with contact um yeah is there an element of thinking okay well what's the next is it you know can i get to a director role or executive or senior management team however that might be structured absolutely and the, interestingly the the role at contact head of marketing comms was on the senior management team so it was a bit of a leap for me at that point i think i'd, I'd gone from officer level right. to immediately into managing a team but also being part of a senior leadership team. So there was no, I think sometimes there can be a, a, another step in the middle, which is which is a management post that isn't necessarily senior leadership. But I, I sort of bypassed that. So it was a, it was a bit of a jump a for jump. me. Um, How did you find that? Um, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. It was, he, it was challenging, it was. Um, and it was also at the time, so that would have been 2008, and it was around the time that um, uh, Arts Council funding was a bit more precarious. Organisations were asking, being asked to um, reconsider their teams, to go through restructures, to try and find cost savings. So it wasn't an easy ride. And there was a lot, an awful lot of, of, it was a hugely steep learning curve for me. But I was really lucky because the rest of the senior leadership team, I'm still extremely good friends with now we worked so well together and we bounced off each other and we just we learned so much from each other so it was challenging but it was probably one of the best 
learning experiences for me, being thrown in the deep end in a way. It seems like a good point to ask then at this stage when you've made a big jump like that. Is there any coaching or mentoring that you've had, whether it be formal or informal, to support some of those jumps? No, <laughs> I actually haven't. It probably would have been helpful if I had, but I haven't actually had any other than learning from the people who are around the table with me, um, which I suppose in a sense is an informal mentoring. It it is really, Um, you know, and along the way, you know, great conversations with external people, some of which, you know, not at all formal, not at all formal, not structured, but people who you know you can call on if there's particular challenges, you know, in, in the world of legals or HR, that sort of thing. Um, But it was very much on the job. Do you have anybody that you run a big decision past before you, you're going to do it? A colleague or somebody that you might have worked under? There are a couple of people who I'm still in contact with from having worked at Contact who um, we definitely talk about work and, you know, bounce ideas off each other. Yeah, and what, how does this sound? Or Yeah, absolutely. And they work in different fields. So one of them is a fundraiser. Right. Um, at that time, I hadn't had any experience fundraising and, you know, it's been really great to have um, that person to call and, and this role actually and get some advice um, on the fundraising side of things yeah so you contact for a while so I was at contact for four years um, in the senior leadership team and when I first started John McGrath who was the um, artistic director was there he then left to go and work at National Theatre Wales um, obviously he is now um, the uh, artistic director at Factory International which is amazing so he's back in Manchester um, but yeah, I learned an awful lot from John. It was a brilliant time to be to be joining. Um, so there was there was change at the top in con- at contact at the time, and it was, it was slightly precarious in terms of fun- fundraising, uh, well, the funding climate. And contact's business model was interesting because um, they were more heavily reliant on funding than ticket income. Absolutely right. correctly, that is that is the model, and you know, contact is funded to do the amazing work they do with engaging young people in the local community so it's you know that was to be expected but really great to have experience of that and then moving from contact to the royal exchange which was where i've spent the last 10 years um very different model in that uh, majority of their income is through ticket sales so um it was it was a bit of a shift uh, for that um again i having been at contact for four years i was starting to think about what what could be my next move what is the organisation that I really want to go and work for? Who really inspires me? Royal Exchange. Luckily, the job came up as uh, director of marketing and communications, and uh, I was yeah I was lucky to get it. So um, spent a long time at the Royal Exchange, ten years. Um, fantastic place to work. Absolutely loved it. So you you pulling together all of those strands and the audience work that you've done. But it's not got the fundraising. No, no, there. the fundraising team was separate, and obviously, yeah. Contact is a smaller organisation than the Royal Exchange, so yeah. um, it was it was a, a bit of a leap in terms of the size and the numbers of people that work there. The income that they were bringing in was vastly different, yeah. um, and the numbers of audiences was really huge. Yeah, you, you mentioned about how the funding worked at Contact versus the Royal Exchange. Does that allow for a different type of risk taking to happen in the activities? It meant that the Royal Exchange was more commercial in the sense that the targets for box office income were much higher. We really had to focus on achieving those. It was hugely important. Whereas, obviously, we needed to bring in ticket income at Contact, but it was less crucial. Yeah. Um, So so I I guess that's where my sort of the commercial side of my career started to develop. Um, because those targets were quite high and we, we had, you know, KPIs that we had to hit on it and we had to report into the board about those targets. Stressful, that stuff. It was quite stressful, but luckily the Royal Exchange is really well attended and they had a really good core of audiences, of uh, season ticket holders who would come back time and time again. You know, the organisation had been running for almost 40 years when I started. It's, you know, it's got a huge history. Established, yeah. Really, really well established um, and an awful lot of very loyal audiences. But again, over that, that decade of being there, an awful lot of change happened and the artistic directors changed um, and what they were trying to do as an organisation was, was, was changing in terms of the, the need and the want to bring in new audiences, to bring in younger audiences. And then the work started to happen beyond the centre of Manchester. 
So in the last sort of three years of me working there, they developed a pop-up theatre. That makes it sound more simple than it was. It, it did take about a week <laughs> to pop it up. But that theatre travelled to boroughs across Greater Manchester. So every, every year it went to a different borough. And that for me was, um, was the best part of the job. I loved taking the work out to people who would not have traditionally had been able to engage with the work of the Royal Exchange. Yeah. They wouldn't necessarily come into the centre of Manchester. If they did, they would be concerned about going up the huge stairs that, that are outside it. It's, you know, the, the building that the Royal Exchange is in, has a, it's a, there's a lot of challenges around that. It's intimidating. It's very intimidating. And there's a, you know, there's a real psychological barrier about go, what on earth is inside? You can't even see. No. Um, so being able to take the work out to communities who hadn't experienced it before was, was amazing. So I really loved doing that. So an awful lot of change in, in those 10 years. And then obviously the pandemic hit while I was there um, and the organisation had to shrink um, to you know to survive yeah. actually and come out the other side so it was um, yeah that was really really challenging. Was it during the pandemic that you you saw this job coming up? No, well no it was post pandemic post actually. Pandemic. Yeah, so 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 th- we'd actually reopened. So the Royal Exchange closed for a period of time. I think it was possibly a year or so, and we had reopened in the March of twenty twenty one with a new show. Um, and I worked on the marketing for the first season right. um, and the branding, which we, did, we had the opportunity to do something a bit different again, which yeah. was fantastic. So that had all been developed. And it was just at the sort of the back end of that, of that period of time where, um, you know, I, saw, I knew that this, this job, well, a job, a new a job in marketing would come up at Shakespeare North Playhouse. But I didn't know what level it would be at. I didn't even know if it was going to be as part of the senior leadership team because there are some organisations where marketing and comms is not part of the leadership team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, luckily it was uh, it was exactly what I wanted to do. So. So when you're moving between the different roles, I'm assuming that networking is is really critical in the work that you're doing. So. Did you know all of the organisations and were you interconnected with all of those before you made those moves? Um, I did know some people, definitely. And I, I would say that, over, you know, because I was in Manchester for 40, worked in Manchester for 14 years, you develop really strong networks during that time. And they, they are really crucial in terms of the day-to-day work. So it's interesting that you ask about that because I think this has been one of the challenges for me in this role. Um, in that I don't live in Liverpool yeah. City region. I still live in Greater Manchester, commute here, which is actually straightforward. It's only half an hour, but I don't have the networks in Liverpool City region that I did in Manchester. So I'm kind of starting from scratch with that. Um, interestingly, where Shakespeare North Playhouse is geographically in Prescott, we are half an hour from Deansgate, 20 minutes from the Albert Dock. So we are in Liverpool City region, but we're almost equidistant to both yeah, of those cities. Yeah. So, so the networks that I've got in Manchester are still re- relevant and useful, yeah. and our audiences are starting to come more from that side. So that's a big priority for us here over the next sort of 12 to 18 months, is to engage more Greater Manchester audiences and get them in. I think people from GM don't necessarily realise how close Prescott is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, big challenge for me now is getting out and about and developing the networks in Liverpool City region, which will become drawing on that audience's stuff as well, and yeah. and developing contacts. And what does the future look like? I don't know. And do you know if you'd asked me like any point in my career, I would also say I don't know. Mm-hmm. I I'm very much living in the moment, and that's partly because the organisation here is still living in the moment in a way. We're just getting to the point where we're starting to think a bit more long term. We're getting out of the sort of operational and a bit more into the strategic okay. and the and the thinking sort of six months, twelve months ahead. Um, but I will do a role for as long as I am totally happy in it, and then I'll start thinking about the future. <laughs> and you just the thing is, there's no point thinking about the future too early because you don't know what opportunities are going to spring up. I didn't know until you know a year before. Shakespeare North, I got the job here, that it was even even happening. 
So you just don't know what might happen. It's good to keep your eyes on the organisations that you're interested in and what they're doing. Yeah. Um, go to see work there, go to see exhibitions there, you know, experience it so that you start to get a sense of who they are and what they do and you can see if your values align with theirs. But I don't really think that far ahead in terms of what next at all. That's really interesting. It's uh, in trying to enjoy the experience that you have and the challenges that you have rather than over-planning. Absolutely. I mean, it, don't, don't get me wrong, it does cross my mind sometimes. I think, do, would I like to be an exec director next? Is that, is that the next thing I was going to say, is, that, is, is your ambition that thing where you're thinking, I'd like to run something? I don't know if it is. I don't know if it is. It's cropped into my head a few times. I mean, maybe a couple of years ago, I'd probably have said no. But now I've, had the broad, I've got a broader remit and I've, I've got more experience working in the commercial and the, the financial side of things. You know, I'm starting to think maybe... It's maybe a unique skill set, isn't it, that, that yeah. lends itself to I, it? Yeah, I, I think, honestly, I probably will end up doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate you talking so openly about the decision-making processes that you've made and good luck in the future. Thank you very much, no problem. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, and Facebook using the handle Cultural Peeps. And if you want a bit more information about the Careers Pathway project or about any of the conversations or participants, then there's a project blog which is available at culturalpeeps.wordpress.com. 